My name is Lindsay Shea, and you are listening to Boxed. Tony actually should have never went to prison. They really done him wrong, man. It was just really screwed up. We're on episode two, and if you haven't already, stop and go listen to episode one first. We're telling the story in order. The story of Tony Walker, who was accused of murdering his girlfriend, Mary Sue Whitaker, in February of 1989. Now, to pick up where we left off last episode, you heard the backstory of this case, and you also heard what Tony says happened. Tony says him and Mary Sue had gotten into an argument that night, and he told her he was going to go back with his wife. Then before he could do anything, she had grabbed his gun and shot herself. We also talked about Mary Sue and her psychological history. She had attempted suicide prior to this, according to witness testimony at trial, and had even signed a suicide contract with her therapist. So again, how did Tony end up convicted of first-degree murder? What exactly did the prosecution say happened? Well, let's start from the beginning. They said that Tony and Mary Sue got into a heated argument sometime around 8.30 p.m. at the Motel 6. And Tony got so angry that he picked up his gun and shot Mary Sue in the right temple. After this, he then received a phone call from the front desk clerk asking him to quiet it down because there were complaints about the noise. To which Tony responded, okay. Then the prosecution says that Tony cleaned up in the bathroom and stalled calling 911 until sometime around 9.40 p.m. So basically they say Tony killed Mary Sue over an argument and then stalled getting help for around an hour. Now the police department said they started questioning things when the holster that Mary Sue had supposedly grabbed the gun from was snapped shut. They said that's when they suspected this might be something other than a suicide. They said that other things didn't add up either. They said that Tony had said that after Mary Sue shot herself, he embraced her, he knelt down and grabbed her and talked to her, but they said they found no blood on his clothes that would indicate he had ever done so. Dwayne Deaver, special agent with the SBI, testified that no blood stains, as he would have expected from having cradled a bloody person, were found on Tony's clothing. Dwayne Deaver is a whole other story in itself. He was fired from the SBI in North Carolina, and he was known for lying to favor the state. That's just what he did. Deaver was involved in the famous The Staircase murder that involved a man named Michael Peterson, who was accused of killing his wife. And Peterson claimed he found his wife dying after she fell down the stairs at their home. Deaver was the blood spatter analyst for the SBI and had testified in Peterson's case. He said that the blood spatters on the walls showed that Kathleen Peterson had suffered from blunt force drama. Basically, she was beaten to death. Deaver testified that she was hit on the head at least three times with an object, and he said that based on the blood spatter on Michael Peterson's shorts and shoes, that he was standing directly over her when she was killed. Well, this led the prosecution to prove that Michael had killed his wife. He had his details down to the point so much that the experts brought in by the defense couldn't even compete with him. But then it was brought out in 2011, after an audit, 
that Deaver had falsified evidence and misstated findings in over 34 cases, and the SBI as a whole had falsely reported evidence or misstated findings in over 200 cases between 1987 and 2003. Michael Peterson was granted a retrial because of Dwayne Deaver's testimony. Another man named Greg Taylor spent 19 years in prison for a murder he didn't commit because of Deaver's failure to report blood test results that would have helped the defense of Taylor. So with Deaver falsifying evidence in over 34 cases to favor the state and just flat out lying, who's to say he didn't in Tony's case as well in 1990? It could have very well happened as it did for many others. Before Detective Hill took a statement that night, Tony had told the detective that he had been fully dressed the entire time and was presently wearing the same clothes as when the death had occurred. But when Tony undressed, Detective Hill saw a large amount of blood on his socks, inside of his boots, and no blood on the outside of his boots. He said things were not adding up. Well, to myself, I don't really feel like this is a huge flag. Like, when someone says fully dressed, I wouldn't really be thinking about my boots as being part of being fully dressed. I would think, oh, I have on the same clothes I had on when this happened. And he was in a hotel room. He'd probably taken off his shoes while he was laying around in the hotel and then put them back on before he left. So, what physical evidence did the prosecution have to support their story? Was there an overwhelming amount of physical evidence against him, tying him to Mary Sue's death? Well, no. Actually, there was no physical evidence linking him to the murder. None. Nothing at all. Actually, the physical evidence did quite the contrary. So, let's talk about the evidence or the lack thereof. The Greensboro Police Department had Tony's 38 caliber handgun tested for fingerprints. Well, so they said. So this is a whole other thing in itself. Prior to Tony's first trial, the state's chief investigator and assistant district attorney had told the defense counsel that no tests had been performed on the weapon other than just like a visual inspection. So they just looked at it. But no tests were performed on it. Well, to everyone's surprise then, during the trial, the police department's evidence specialist, Frank Noah, testified for the state that the weapon had in fact been tested for fingerprints and that the test result was negative. He had found no fingerprints on the gun. So because of this and not being advised of this before trial, the defense moved for a mistrial. And Tony's first trial was declared a mistrial. Tony's attorney, Steve Slosher and Waylon Cook, argued that prosecutor Randy Carroll and police detective Ed Hill had led them to believe for months that the testing had not been done. And you'd leave it there if you didn't know anything else. But it was brought out in 2001 that assistant district attorney Randy Carroll was reprimanded and had made, quote, an error in judgment by not providing information to a Greensboro defense attorney in a different case. Carroll ended up dismissing the charges in the case to avoid an appearance of impropriety. Well, then in the second trial, it was brought out that the gun might have not even been tested in the first place. A SBI expert who re-examined the gun said that there were no traces of fingerprint powder found on the gun that would indicate that the test had ever even been done. 
Eric R. Hicks was a special agent with the SBI, and he testified that he examined the pistol for the presence of fingerprint powder, and his examination revealed no presence of fingerprint powder. So, was it tested or was it not? Who knows? And this wouldn't be the only surprise to come out in trial. Then there was the trace metal test that was done on Tony's hands. This is a test to show whether Tony had held a metal object, such as a gun, in his hands. Chemicals were applied to Tony's hands and then were observed under an ultraviolet lamp. If someone had held a metal object, an outline of the metal would be visible on the skin. This came back negative as well. This was done by the same police evidence specialist, Frank Noah. Noah said that because the test showed nothing, that he never bothered to write down that the test was even done. Like, what? (laughs) So just because the results came back negative, you didn't record it? Everyone was unaware that this test had been done, again, until after the trial had began. So the two major tests that would prove if Tony were guilty came back negative. And more than that, both of these major tests were brought out during trial with no one even aware that they had been done. It's faulty police work is what it is. What kind of police evidence specialist doesn't record the results of a major test having to do with a possible homicide? Tests were done by the SBI on hands of Tony and Mary Sue for firearm residue, and they were inconclusive as to who fired the gun. The prosecution said Tony took the time in between to clean up. They said he didn't immediately dial 911 and that he wiped the weapon clean. Frank Noah, the police evidence specialist, was said to have pointed out to Greensboro Police Detective Ed Hill that there was a lack of blood and tissue found on the gun, and he concluded that the weapon had probably been wiped clean. Detective Ed Hill testified in court that Noah told him in the lab, quote, I want you to look at this gun. This thing's been cleaned. There's nothing on the gun. There's not even a smudge on it, and it appears that it's been wiped off. Now, there were luminol tests done in the bathroom to tell if blood was found. This would help prove the prosecution's story that Tony did clean up in the bathroom. These tests also came back negative. So, nothing physically tying Tony to murdering Mary Sue. A lot of faulty police work, but no physical evidence whatsoever. So, with no physical evidence, what did they base their story off of? We'll talk about that in the next episode.